points by Iverson. Looked like he was dead in the water. Ball slips her by Fitz. Jordan. Open. Chicago with the lead. If that's the last image of Michael Jordan, how magnificent the series. It's Lillard. He got the shot off. What's up, everyone, and welcome back to a brand new episode of The 3 and D. I'm Paul Lombardi, and I'd like to welcome everyone back to the Review and Preview Network for my weekly NBA and college basketball show. Make sure to check us out on all social media platforms and subscribe to our YouTube channel at Review and Preview Sports. First things first, I want to send my condolences to the Clark family after the tragic loss of Kentucky guard and 2021 NBA prospect Terrence Clark. My thoughts and prayers are with his family and his friends. Tonight, we have a special guest, Marty Joinus, host of the Intercept Your Lunch podcast and big time NBA and NCAA fan. So, Marty, how are we doing? Hey, what's going on, Paul? Excited to be here. Excited to talk a little college basketball, NBA basketball with you. I'm excited. I'm excited. So you live down in the Maryland area. Um, you know a lot about the Terps, a lot about um, – what college basketball is like down there. Mm-hmm. Um, what kind of, what kind of atmosphere is it? Uh, it, it? It can be electric. I mean, uh, you talk about early, my early Maryland days of watching them. You've had Gary Williams, guys like uh, Jawan Dixon when they won. And uh, throughout the years, they've always seemed to have some sort of star power in terms of somebody that attracts people to be there, attracts people to the team. Um and it's it's been exciting, you know. Uh, there's been some other teams in the area that come up and play us and play them, and it's it's fun to watch. It, it's been really fun, actually. Them joining the Big Ten, playing some new teams there. I I always say that I wish they would have stayed in the ACC, just for the fear fact that like Maryland versus Duke when it was JJ Redick and those guys. I mean, it was it was a hated rivalry there too, and it was fun to watch. But they're building new rivalries in the Big Ten, and, and they've been very successful in Big Ten basketball as well. So excited to see where they go there. And like you said, man, the, it's it's electric down there. Yeah, it's an interesting jump, and you know, anytime you're in the same conference as Duke and all of them, you know, it's it's obviously a big loss not being able to play against them. But the Big Ten was amazing this season, and we saw a bunch of good battles between Maryland. You know, we also saw that Maryland Michigan game uh, that got very chippy. Uh, very, very, yes, very, very chippy. And mm-hmm. you know, but jumping right into Maryland though, um, I I really like the the way that they're headed. Uh, this off season, I think that they're, you know, they've been a little bit out of it the last couple of years. They've had some talent, you know, you had Bruno Fernando and those guys um, the last couple of years, but they haven't really been too competitive. But Mark Turgeon's really made it a point to bring it to be active in the transfer portal and to bring in some other um good leadership. You got Danny Manning was just hired as an assistant coach um, and the two of them played together at UNC. 
So there's a, uh, there's a good um, relationship there. And then three big-time transfers coming in, too. Utah transfer, Ian Martinez, who didn't play that much. But then the two big ones, Georgetown transfer, uh, Cutis Wahab, and URI grad transfer, Fats Russell, uh, those were two big ones, and they both they both uh, signed on the same day. So, what are your thoughts about those? Yeah, yeah. I mean, let, let's touch base on Danny Manning first. Like you said, they were teammates, Mark Turgeon and him in college, and he's got eight years of head coaching experience. And bringing somebody like that on your staff that helps out not only in practice in the off season, but in in game moments, and that gives a veteran presence on the bench to help those younger guys and to help Mark Turgeon during the game see what he sees and can relay that message I mean it's interesting you know I'm from from the area follow the team a good bit Turgeon's uh, he gets mixed reviews I mean a lot of folks down here you, they either love him or they hate him I mean they think that he's had you've mentioned Bruno Fernandez there's been Diamond Stone um, that's true Tremble The point guard, I mean, over the last five or six years or so, they've had some pretty solid talent. And another thing that he gets is is he's keeping some of that local talent in Maryland. But it's interesting. He gets a knock. So I think bringing a guy like Danny Manning in will help kind of stabilize those voices. But Turgeon just got a three-year extension, so bringing him on, he has the third best winning percentage since joining the Big Ten. He's third, you know, almost winning 70% of his games since 2014. He still gets a bad rap. So it's it's yeah. interesting. It's a definitely interesting. They're very demanding down in College Park. And like you said, too, he's been active on the transfer portals. Uh, Wahab and Fats coming in. Wahab was great. I mean, 6'10", 6'11", big dude from Georgetown. That'll fill that presence. You know, they 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 were weak down low last year in terms of depth. So bringing another big guy in there uh, will help them. And Fats Russell, I mean, with Eric Ahala potentially going to the NBA, that brings another guard in for Mark Turgeon. And that's a dude that watch out for. I mean, he's a stat stuffer. You look at him at Rhode Island, you know, averaging four, 15 points, five rebounds, two and three steals. I mean, he's the all-time leading steals a uh, player in Rhode Island history. He's very active. He's a stat sheet stuffer, and uh, that's somebody that's always the, great to have on your team. Oh, definitely. And I think that'll complement really well, too. Aaron Wiggins declared for the draft, I saw as well, but he's most likely coming back, it seems like. He doesn't really have too much of a draft stock, and um, I think that Fats is going to be uh, – is going to is he's going to be a good addition because just like you said he's a stat sheet stuffer you know he does a lot of different things he's a crafty guard uh kind of one of the more underrated guards uh in the entire country throughout the last couple of years I think especially since he played because he played in Rhode Island but um I I think I think that it's they were good they were some pretty solid moves um you know Mark Turgeon does a good job I uh, I think uh, I think you know it's it's difficult. He hasn't made it. A lot of times, gotten picked off early in the tournaments, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, that's that's the biggest rap on him, probably. But they win, and he gets talent to go there. So those both of those guys coming in, I think, would be are going to be pretty big pieces. And I I like those moves a lot. You know, Wahab was really. I watch a lot of Biggie's basketball as a St. John's fan and him playing for Georgetown. Wahab was really starting to become a player towards the end of this season. He was, uh, 
becoming to be he was becoming a low post dominant player was getting more and more time Patrick Ewing was falling more in love with him uh as one of the one of their key big men so I think that he's going to jump in and probably be a, a great addition right off the bat and it'll be interesting to see how he goes up against the other bigs in the Big Ten yeah no I I, I totally agree with you like you said uh Patrick Ewing coming in and uh, really liking what they have there. And uh, I'm sure he's sad to see him go, but I think he's going to thrive in Maryland. I think he really will. They have a history of having some solid big men down there in the last few years too. So hopefully he could step in and be that presence for him. No, definitely. Like, like you said, Diamond Stone, Bruno Fernando, all those guys. They Jalen Smith. Jalen Smith too. You forget yeah. about that. He was just yeah. this past year. They they got they get a lot of big men. Mellow Trimble, I completely forgot about too. That was yeah great. And, and this too, I mean, you know, you said Mark Turgeon's been active in the transfer portal, and he always has been, and he's gotten great players from there. I mean, uh, they've had a long line of success going there back towards his early days and pulling Des Des Wells from Xavier and pairing yeah. him up, and that team was was really solid in the. Uh, that season going in. So he's had success there. So hopefully bringing in these three players will bring them to uh, a better position in the Big Ten and ultimately a better seating in the March Madness tournament. Yeah, no, definitely. And we got Tom Scavetta. What's up, Marty? What's going on, Tom? I know uh, you're probably just as excited as me for Thursday night draft. Uh, That's something that uh, we're all looking forward to as well. So what's going on, Tom? It's going to be great. I'm really yeah. excited for it. Long time yeah. without football now, so yes, yes, it's going to be it's going to be a good feeling getting to see yes. that mm-hmm. without a doubt. So now jumping jumping to our next topic. So <laughs> we got from going from Maryland. Who who are your three teams to watch out for coming into next season? Who might have a chip on their shoulder uh, in the college basketball season? There's definitely a few names that come to mind as we've been seeing the transfer portal going on. Um, mm. A lot of guys deciding to return, a lot of guys opting for the NBA draft. Uh, who, are, who are the top three teams that come to mind, in your opinion? Yeah, so these three teams I'll give you. I don't think they're going to finish one, two, three in the nation. These are yeah. just three teams that, uh, if I'm looking forward to March already in April, <laughs> if I'm looking forward to March Madness as we sit today, these are three teams that I really like. Starting out, Duke. Um, they missed the tournament this year. Uh, who knows if they would have got in the whole COVID situation, shut their season down. But I think we both can agree. They probably didn't have the resume to get in, yeah. but they're bringing back Matthew Hertz, who averaged almost 20 points for him in the third ranked class of 2021 coming in. So coach K should be ready to get back into the dance, get back on the top. I like their chances in the ACC. I personally think UNC is going to take a step back this year with the loss of Roy Williams and, seeing how that team kind of transitions to a new era. So I think that uh, there's a lot of great teams in the ACC, but I think Duke can be one that can get back to the top like they've been in the past. I like that a lot. I like – and, you know, you got some – interesting prospects coming into Paolo Banchero, who's the number three prospect in the ESPN top 100s coming into mm-hmm. Duke. So they're, they're bringing back in talent and, you know, you don't Duke, you, you don't see too many 500 seasons from them. They're going to bounce back. There's no doubt about that. Um, so I think that that's a good pick my first team. And I'm going to go going with a kind of mainstream team. I'm going with Gonzaga just because, yeah. <laughs> just because of the revenge tour. That's a big yep. thing. 
I think that's that huge. They, I think they're going to come out strong. I mean, Chet Holmgren, they landed, who's bit, who is the number one recruit in the nation. Hunter Salas, who's a five-star recruit, you know, I've been saying a lot on this show that they're going to come back strong next year. They'll lose Ayayi, Suggs, and Kisbert, but Drew Timmy will most likely be back. Andrew Nemhart will most likely be back. Um, and it really a, that low post of Timmy and Holmgren is is, is going to be pretty scary. Like that's going to be, yeah. that's going to be ridiculous. And yeah. and the and the whole chip on their shoulder thing too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Especially for that coaching staff. I mean, heck, how long have they had the knock on them for being the team that can do it in the regular season in the terrible lock or WCC uh, conference and. Then they get into the tournament and they always always seem to lose. So, uh, you yeah. like you said, the revenge tour is there for the players, but also the coaching staff as well. Definitely. And they've lost two national championships now in the last four tournaments. So, yeah. they're, they're 100% going to be coming out strong. Um, mm-hmm. I And they're, they're past due, I think. So, who's your number two? Yeah, uh, another team. I'm dipping back into the ACC, Virginia Tech. Uh, bringing four out of the five top scores back. They're going to be a deep veteran group in a tough ACC. And I think they can get the experience. Well, I mean, they have the experience, but they can get the toughness and get the uh, um, flow going during midseason and then hit the tournament stride. I think they can be a team that can land in that three, four, five seed range and be very dangerous for teams moving forward with that veteran play that they'll have. I like that. I like that. The Hokies were a surprise this year. You know, they, they had a good squad, well coached to kind of fell off a little bit at the end. Um, mm-hmm. Didn't get as high of a seat as they were, you know, possibly going to get as they were, as they were highly likely to get at the beginning of the season. But that's it. They're, they're really not losing anybody. So that's a good one. I like a lot. Yeah, and that first round loss to Florida this year, if folks remember, that was the first game of March Madness tournament kickoff Thursday, and it was a fun, exciting one, overtime thriller. I think that kind of nasty taste in their mouth, not as bad as Gonzaga Revenge Tour, but uh, something that those veteran players will remember and not want to feel again. Definitely. The revenge tour is the biggest thing because, as we remember, mm-hmm. Virginia getting being the first number one seed to lose and come back oh. and win the national championship the very next year. And speaking it's of – It's 100% real. And mm-hmm. speaking of revenge tour, my number two is Ohio State. Um, they, they got picked off big time, obviously, by Oral Roberts in the two-verse 15 Uh this they they were dominant all season long uh led by Dwayne Washington and EJ Liddell they both declared for the draft but they're both probably not staying in they're just testing the waters they're most likely going to come back they don't have too much of a draft stock and they got a four-star recruit a forward Malachi Branham who is coming in uh they're really only losing CJ Walker too so mm-hmm. I think Ohio State is going to they're right now looking at the very very early top 25s uh, preseason top 25 for this upcoming season, the, you see them in the top five majority yeah. of the time. If Liddell or Washington decides to leave and go to the NBA draft, which I highly doubt they do, like decide mm-hmm. to stay into the, for the NBA draft, um, it would be a, make a huge difference. But if those two are back, it's it's going to be they're, they're going to be right back in it. They're basically bringing back the entire team. They're going to run things back. Yeah, yeah. Well, like we just said, revenge tour and. Uh... They're another team that plays in a Big Ten who was super deep last year, and they were one of the top dogs, if not the top, going throughout the regular season until they ran into Michigan and Illinois later 
in the season Big Ten tournament, but uh, they're going to be a scary team again. I'm not too big on that pick, Paul. As you can see, I'm wearing my Penn State shirt, so I don't know if I can get behind it too much there. But uh, I'll uh, I'll say it's a good pick. It's all right. It's all right. I like that. <laughs> hey, Penn State just landed a tra- uh, transfer. I saw yeah, it. yeah, yeah. They just landed a pretty good transfer. They got new coaching staff, assistant coach from Purdue, uh, um, Matt Painter, the head coach out there. They, they all have a good team coming up this year and uh, lost him. And I know Matt Painter gets a lot of praise. He's a great coach. So hopefully they can bring some of that wisdom and some of that physical play up there at Happy Valley and turn things around up there. Definitely. That's for sure. Penn State mm-hmm. is a good basketball team. Need to get yeah. back to the map. You yep. know, Lamar Stevens is the only one I can really, I can really remember being in the last – I mean, he just left this past year, but it's, it, yeah. he was like their biggest talent that they produced in a while, like NBA-wise. Um, yep. So who's your number three? Number three, I'm going down south, and uh, this is a basketball show, but I'll give you a football team, the Alabama Crimson Tide. Uh, they're, turn- they're, again, returning a lot of talent. I like that when teams are returning talent, and then I also love teams that return talent and get top ten prospects into their program, and they landed one, the high flyer, J.D. Davison. I mean, everybody kind of probably sees clips on Facebook and YouTube of this dude, 360 windmill and dunking it in high school, so – It'll be fun to watch, and the head coach down there, Nate Oates, he's in his third year of this quote-unquote rebuild of the program, and he's hitting every checkbox so far and winning the SEC tournament last year, having a number two seed going into the tournament, uh, only looking to build and get better off of that. So I think that's a team down south that can can win their conference, get a high seed, and uh, see where it takes them. I like that a lot, and I think Alabama kind of surprised everybody this year. Nate Oates is just a good head coach. Yeah, he's yeah. great. And he brings in the talent, you know, like Davison. Most most Hoop fans have have seen his highlights. You can't miss them. They're all over the place. Uh, yep. He's he's one of the the big elite talents in this. I'm pretty sure he's top 10 in the ESPN top 100. Yeah, yeah, he's 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 right on the dot, number 10. So uh, Right on the dot. Right yeah, there. right on the dot. He's right there, and he's he's a great player and can add that spunk and that, you know, spark that I think sometimes when you're bringing back that veteran presence, you can add somebody like that and just boost the team even more. And like you said, they're a two seed last year, and, and they're building to get better and – a guy like Nate Oates, who knows, he can win there and potentially land a big job somewhere else next year. Completely agree. And you'll have Javon Quinterly is going to be back too. He, and he's really become a player too. Yeah. He was a huge prospect. Didn't play much at Villanova, then transferred to Alabama. Um, so my number three, I'm going out west for this one. Going to go with UCLA. Um, another kind of mainstream one. My, th- yeah. my, my three are pretty mainstream, but UCLA – they're they're going to be better than a play-in next year. That's for sure. Um, oh, they, certainly. They, you know, I've I've seen a few uh, early top twenty-fives that have them at even at number one. If they return everybody, Johnny Juzang, who was you know the talk of the tournament, had a, that ridiculous put him on the map. Yeah, with that ridiculous performance throughout the tournament, um, an elite score. He declared for the draft, but there's a good chance he comes back next year and. Still have Tiger Campbell, still have Jaime Hawkes, um, who were two of their key pieces this season. And Chris Smith, who was their star player throughout the year, uh, who tore his ACL and didn't play at all in the playoffs um, in the tournament. He 
might not be back. He's a senior. He might take the extra year of eligibility if they get him back. That's even stronger. But besides that, they got two big recruits coming in too. They got five star forward Peyton Watson, who's um who's in the top ten on the ESPN top one hundred. Um, he is dynamic, great score. You can slot him in there. And then four-star shooting guard, Will McClendon, who's number 65 in the ESPN top 100. So Mick Cronin's doing a good job with UCLA. Yeah. Starting to put them back on the map. Uh, and they were, you know, the big, the big team in this tournament upset. They went from play into final four, you know, the first team to do that since VCU. Yeah. Uh, it, it was, they, they had an incredible run and, People are going to start wanting to play for them too. UCLA is probably the most storied basketball school in college basketball history, and they haven't been very competitive over the last several years. You know, yeah, um, no, you're you're exactly right, and it's funny. You know, you look back on head coaching hires and. How about all the folks that were ripping them that they didn't pay the Rick Barnes Tennessee buyout and bring him there, and they felt like it was a cop out to bring in Mick Cronin, and he's done nothing but win there and build them up. And uh, like you said, UCLA is a story franchise. Plus, what eighteen-year-old doesn't want to live in downtown Los Angeles? That's exactly. <laughs> it's good incentives to for yes. you know, there's it's, it's not a bad place to live. That's no, sure. not at all. Not at all. And, and Mick Cronin, too, like people were considering it a cop-out, like you were saying, you know, when they mm-hmm. hired him and stuff. But Mick Cronin did one heck of a job at Cincinnati, too. Yes, you know, he did. If you look, anybody who paid attention to Cincinnati basketball while he was there, he was fantastic. Uh, he he kept them competitive every year. They were a consistent tournament team, Sean Kilpatrick, all those guys. Um, they They were just a gritty team, and they were good. And he's just a good head coach. And, you know, his father was a head coach. There's He's got basketball lineage. You know, yeah. he's, he's perfect for UCLA. And he's going to start to turn this program around, hopefully. Um, and next season, if they bring Juzang back, even if they don't bring Juzang back, they'll still be very good. But if Juzang decides to come back, too, I I think that they're going to be a, a, probably a preseason top five team in the nation. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. So – Skipping over from college basketball now, we'll jump into the NBA. So going from the top three teams next year of college basketball, we got the MVP race, which is – this is one of the tightest MVP races I can remember uh, coming down to the wire. Usually at this point of the NBA season with only – 10, 15 games left, we all have an idea of who the MVP is going to be. We all like know. But this year, we got like three, four, five legitimate candidates. And, you know, everybody has like an idea. Everybody has a favorite. I think that there's two that really differentiate themselves and kind of like, and people like to fight over. But, mm-hmm. um, but if the season ends right now, who is your MVP? Okay, so I was looking at a few names. I got two homer picks, but I'll give you the one who I think is really going to win it. Uh, It's going to be the Joker, no kick. Um, He's been picking up the slack where Murray has been injured with the ACL. I mean, since Murray's been out, plus a few games earlier, he's been out a total of 10. I mean, Jokic is averaging almost 29 points, 10 rebounds, double-double. Actually, a triple-double because, I mean, he's almost averaging – is averaging 10 assists a game, so – uh, he's a player that I think is picking up the slack for them and showing why he is the MVP. That would be uh, my pick that other folks are going to take. 
if you are giving me a vote in the NBA MVP, it has to go to Steph Curry. I mean, he's leading the league with 31 points. I understand their record at 31 and 30. They're not that great. They'll probably be in that play-in scenario. Uh, but his supporting track his supporting cast is trash. And uh the guy has made 273 threes this year. The next guy up, Buddy Heald, with 238. I mean, he's he is just shooting lights out. I think averaging over 40 points, if not just on the dot at 40 in the month of April. And uh, I think this team misses Clay Thompson a lot, misses some of that firepower. But he would be my personal pick if I had a vote. But I do think that the Joker is going to take home the crown. I like that a lot. I think, you know, Steph Curry, he's having a transcendent year. And, you know, a lot of people were wondering when he comes back from the injury, what kind of player he was going to be. And he's even stronger than ever. And it's it's ridiculous. He's on pace to win a scoring title again this year. Mm -hmm. Um, Could, could, if it wasn't for the Warriors record, he would be the number one right now to win MVP. Um, We all know how much the record uh, of your team it plays into winning MVP, especially in the NBA. You know, when back even back when Kobe averaged 35 points a game and didn't win MVP because they were the yeah. second seed. You know, they there's it, goes, it plays into it so much. So they, that's you know, Steph. I completely agree with that. I think Steph um, should be most deserving. And if you're talking about the real definition of the award, most valuable player, you take Steph Curry off of this Golden State Warriors team. They're, <laughs> they're, they're fighting with the Timberwolves for the number one pick in the, the draft. Look at their record last year. Look what they did. They didn't have they didn't have Steph or Clay. And I think if you would have reversed the roles and had Clay and not Steph, I don't even think they're 31 and 30 right now. No. I just think that that's the type of player he is, and he draws so much attention, yet he's still – when he's on a heater like that, it, it don't matter. He's he's the best there is at that and can lead a team. It just stinks that he just couldn't get, you know, that Andrew Wiggins, like he just can't get to that next level. I mean, Draymond Green's a great player, but he's, again, a guy that's not going to get to that next level. And it'll be interesting to see what he does. I mean, he's getting up there in age of 33 years old. Uh, he's kind of accomplished almost anything you would want to with a with a franchise. I mean, he's the all time leading scorer. He's won a couple championships. So maybe you know your guy uh, James Dolan makes a call and brings him to New York. Maybe saves him and wins him a championship or something. I know you'd like to see that, but I gotta say New York forever. Yeah, we're, we're getting forever. ahead of ourselves here. We're only talking about MVP, but uh, yeah, I think that would that again. He's he's been great, but don't sleep on the Joker. I think he's the betting favorite right now at minus four hundred. Um, so that would be that would who I would put my money on. It would be the Joker to win. Yeah, and I I tend to agree with you. My MVP choice is the Joker, but what what I think it is, I I think it's really a two man race right now between the Joker and between Joel Embiid because um, of how good the Sixers have been this year. Uh, I would throw James Harden in the mix, but it's him getting hurt now and you know not yeah. being being out for a bit because you see how James Harden held down that team with Kyrie missing time for personal reasons and KD being out for so long. Um, he and he stepped into his role in Brooklyn too. A lot of people were wondering, you know, jump from thirty five points per game to uh, the possibly like the third option on yeah. the team. You know, he, he's got. To, 
bunch of stars around him, but he stepped into that role and has been unbelievable. He's an amazing point guard. He's a great, he's a great ball handler, great facilitator on offense. Um, I think that that I think he's an underrated guy that should get some consideration. He'll definitely get some votes, especially oh, yeah. of, especially because of how good Brooklyn is. Uh, Giannis too. Um, mm-hmm. Giannis Giannis won't because of voter fatigue. You know, yeah, yeah, that's it, a, that's it, a real thing. It definitely is. I say that all the time. Um, you know, he's won the last two, so they're not going to give him a third straight. Even though, if you look at his numbers, they're very, they're comparable to his last two seasons and honestly in some aspects even better too especially on yeah. the defensive end he and milwaukee is the three seed too so they're up there um and- if milwaukee was the one i bet you he'd get a lot more consideration but uh don't leave out chris paul too i think nope. he is des- yep. deserving of a few votes i mean this guy's done nothing but head the team since leaving the clippers and turning around there i mean for the Suns, he's not only turning around the team, he's turning around the culture and getting them to win and understand what it takes to win. And he's a guy, too, that should get a few a few votes and deservingly so. Yeah, you see the Suns were like a sub-500 team last year. Only sub-500 because they made that big run in the bubble. And yep. all they really did, they added some veterans like Jay Crowder and those guys and, they, and Chris Paul. And that's really yep. it. Now there are... It, they're second place in the Western Conference. It's yeah, absolutely. forty-two and eighteen. I mean, they they haven't seen this type of success there in a long time, and it's good for him. It's good for him to see see him do that. He's another guy. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think he's won a ring. And nope. uh, he's another guy's put his dues in. He, you know, should have went to the Lakers a few years back. Went to the Clippers. Didn't say anything. Nope. Played with the Clippers. Had some good teams there. Got traded to Oklahoma City. He could have sat there and cried and wanted to buy out or trade out. He just sucked it up and said, you know what, I'm going to play with this team. We're going to see what we can do. And they made the playoffs and had a pretty damn good team in Oklahoma City. And same with uh, the Suns, you know. I mean, he wanted to go to the Suns and play, and he's done nothing but great things out there. So he won't win it, but he deserves a, a few votes just for recognition purposes. Absolutely. I think, you know, he, he deserves to be on the ballot and yeah. consideration because he really transcended that Phoenix team. This is the best Suns team we've seen since Steve Nash days. And oh, there's, certainly there's no denying it at all. And we got Tom is Bradley mm-hmm. Beal a consideration. You know, we're going to we're going to hit on the Wizards right now for the final segment. But yeah. Um, Bradley Beal would be a consideration if it wasn't for the record, like we were saying. Yeah, yeah, that that that's what that's what made me shake my head. No, I mean he's a great player. Uh, early on in the season, even with Westbrook, people were down here that just save the guy, send him somewhere. I mean, he's been loyal to Washington and wants to stay there. So hopefully they can turn things around in the next few years. But like you said, we'll touch base on that here in a few minutes. But uh, I don't think. I think the record it really hurts players when it comes to the NBA MVP voting. I'm a guy that's always been, you know, when Shaq's healthy and he's playing all those years, he should have won MVP every year. I mean, exactly. you take that guy, LeBron James is, you know, is one of the most controversial players in sports history. You talk to somebody, they either love that guy or they hate that guy. It's but true. either way, you take him off any of those teams they're not winning 20 games most of the time. And those types of players, I think, should win MVP every year. But you have voters fatigue. You have people who think that 
if you're one of the better players on the best team that you should get consideration and or win. You saw Giannis do it. You saw Steph Curry do it. You saw um like this year, like Embiid getting a lot of a lot of praise because uh he's on one of the best players, if not the best player, in the Eastern Conference. And uh it's interesting. It, it's uh, it's always a political game, I think, with the MVP voting, which stinks. But uh we'll see we'll see who pulls it out. Definitely. It's going to be interesting. Definitely going to be very interesting to see. And, you yeah. know, with Bradley Beal in mind, let's jump over to the Wizards. So the last <laughs> thing, are the Wizards headed in the right direction? Since you live down in the area, the Wizards are your local team. Yep. Um, I know that you follow basically players and not just specifically one team, but you're extremely familiar with the Wizards uh, and yeah. how they're doing. And, you know, they're 27-33 right now. They're on an eight-game winning streak, so they were 19-33 and before that, which is yeah. definitely notable. <laughs> they're sitting in 10th place right now, which means that they get in the play-in. So they make the playoffs, technically, as of right now. Mm-hmm. Um, they, you know, Westbrook is averaging another, another triple-double. He's unbelievable, just absolutely ridiculous. Puts up video game numbers. Um, Rui Hachimura is having a solid second season. He's averaging 13.5 points, 5.7 rebounds. He's he's having a good year. Daniel Gafford looks like a pretty solid pickup that they got uh, um, in part of the uh, with the Otto Porter Jr. trade. Yep. Uh, with it, that they got Otto Porter Jr. too part of that trade uh and then bradley beal is neck and neck right now with steph curry for the scoring title steph yeah. curry's 31.3 and beal's 31.1 so what are your thoughts on it yeah like you just mentioned they're on an eight game win streak and it still only gets them in 10th place uh are they headed in the right direction i'm not sure if they even know what direction they want to head in i mean they pick up russell westbrook uh great player i mean builds a face of the franchise, even though I think Bradley Beal is a great player in this league. Sometimes he might get lost and, uh, you know, he doesn't make an all-star team some years, a couple years ago, he didn't make it when he was the leading scorer. But uh, I think they're just trying to figure things out right now. I don't know if Scott Brooks is the guy for the job moving forward. I mean, I don't think they'll get rid of him this year, but uh, it'll be interesting. You, you'll have both of them. You had John Wall and Bradley Beal for you know, a handful of years in their prime. You added some great players there, but they could never seem to get over the hump. I thought they'd be a team, unfortunately, with injuries to John Wall, would have benefited from LeBron leaving the East finally and trickling back up to that one, two, three, but they just haven't seemed to got there. And I know a lot of people like myself were hyped on the Wizards with that addition of Russell Westbrook, but I still think they're figuring things out. They still need to add some pieces, especially down low. Get some bigger guys. I know Thomas Bryant, uh, a promising young guy, gets hurt earlier in the season. So I think uh, possibly potentially him returning next year and seeing if they can pull a big-name free agent swing man, guard man to uh, team up with those guys to see if they can win something down there. Definitely. I agree. I think it, it's it's very interesting the direction that they're going in. I completely agree with that. I think that they're they don't really have much of an identity right now. You know, you have like a half team of veteran star players and then you have half of a team of, you know, developing players and then a bunch of just random replacement players too. Thomas Bryant going down was huge. That yeah. was that you know, he's their future center. They re-signed Davis Burton's and he has not done much this season. Mm-hmm. Um and you know, he's really only a sharpshooter. Yeah. 
Um, Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook are fantastic. You know, that could be a dominant two stars right there uh, to build around, but you need a third player and you need depth around them. And if they're going to try to make a real competitive push in the Eastern conference, they're going to definitely have to go out, maybe make another trade, uh, trade draft picks or just draft. Well, you know, they're going to have, they're going to have to get a first round pick and just, and, you know, draft somebody and they're going to hope that, uh, that some of these guys pan out because a lot of their draft picks over the last few years, haven't really panned out too much. I think Hachi Moore is going to pan out. Mm-hmm. He's on, He's definitely on a good pace. But, you know, I mean, you look at what they got back in the three-team Anthony Davis, Trey Mo Wagner, and Isaac Bonga. Um, Wagner now is gone. You know, yep. he was he was shipped out to the Celtics, and the Celtics released him to sign Evan yeah. Turner. So he's, he's not on a team anymore. And Isaac Bonga is, uh, you know, a role player at best. Uh, they got, they got, but they got a bunch of those guys. Raul Neto, you know, they got, they they have a bunch of role players right now with no real identity. I think it'll be good if they can get one of the play-ins. Um, they're probably not going to get even if they get the ten seed and they get a play-in. They're they're not really going to do much. They're not going to end up with any with the seventh or eighth seed probably. Um, yeah. But you know, they'll they'll get another lottery pick, and it'll be interesting to see um way what they can do with it and how that they can draft because i mean i think that westbrook beal westbrook beal wants to play there and westbrook has a nearly untradeable contract <laughs> yeah. so, so he's got to play there <laughs> exactly that's the problem you, westbrook has to play there and beal wants to play there so you got those yeah. two and you just re-signed thomas bryant so you got those three guys to build around um and hachimura too you can hold you know hold on to and possibly build around him and then everybody else you just got to figure out the rest of it and that's what they got to play around with this off season and you know try to make some trades draft well all that kind yeah. of stuff but they 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 got the they got the cornerstones though at least they just don't have anything else around them yeah agreed and it's like we said are they headed in the right direction i'm not sure like we've mentioned we don't know their direction right now with the mix and uh I thought a few years ago they should have probably shipped Bradley Beal out at that time to get draft picks and just start the rebuild. But um, I know Cleveland wanted him there, their LeBron's couple last few years. It would have been tough to see him go, and he's a great player and he wants to stay. And you, it's that's hard to get in the NBA nowadays. You don't you don't get that uh, loyalty to the city, loyalty to the franchise that drafted you, and um, it's just tough. It's tough because. You're not you're not going to land the big free agent. I mean, it's not a popular destination as I think it is. It's one of the greatest cities, if not the greatest city in the United States. I mean, if you could win in D.C., that would be great for your career. But NBA players don't see it that way because I'm sure Miami Beach, L.A. Strip, and uh, the New York Times Square. I mean, that's just it's hard to compete with. That's definitely true. It's mm-hmm. it's difficult. It's difficult yeah. to get to get anybody to come to the Wizards, but you know, you got two good guys that can pitch for them. You know, Beal yeah. and Westbrook, and you never know. You never yeah. know where it's headed. So yep. exactly. Well, that's going to wrap it up for today's episode. I want to thank everyone who tuned into the Review and Preview Network to watch another episode of the Three and D, and to all those listening via podcast, YouTube, etc. You can also follow me on Twitter where I'm at very active at at P underscore smooth underscore three. Marty, thank you for joining me for tonight's episode. Uh, where can the audience catch you and your show? 
Yeah, yeah, again, appreciate you jumping. Uh, appreciate jumping on your show, man. It's been fun talking a little basketball, a little change of pace for me, you know, with the M- NFL coming up. So always enjoy this kind of talk, especially during playoff season. But you can catch me, Marty Joints, Intercept Your Lunch on Twitter, on Facebook. We record once a week, 30-minute show that you can l- listen throughout your week uh, during your boring lunch. I'm trying to intercept your lunchtime. You're sitting there. Uh, I'll give you picks to play that weekend to win a few bucks, and uh, hopefully you guys enjoy and tune in. Love it. Love it. Go check that out immediately, guys. I hope everyone enjoys the rest of their week, and stay tuned for more updates and brand-new episodes coming every Monday at 7 of the 3 and D. So have a great night, everyone.